The Gospel Shaped Home Podcast is a family discipleship resource from Providence Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina that aims to equip you and your family to be on mission with God to the end of the street and the ends of the earth. Welcome back, Providence families. I'm Andy Owens, and Daniel Savage and I have been talking about Don Whitney's little book, Family Worship. Daniel, welcome back to you as well. Yes, glad to be here. Today, we're looking at chapter four of Don Whitney's book. Uh, And in this chapter, what he's doing is addressing some common questions or really common situations that might make family worship more difficult. He's really answering the question, but what if, right? The first, there's really a a kind of group of situations uh, that have to do with the dad's role. So before we dive into those, uh, Daniel, let me ask you a question. Why is the dad and the dad's role so important in family worship? The dad's role is so important and um, it's addressed uh, here in the book the way that it is. Uh, because dads have been given a unique role by God to lead their families spiritually. So the way that God has designed the family, the father, the husband, is responsible for giving oversight to the family. And by that, it means he's supposed to lead them towards the things of God. He's the one that will be held accountable by God uh, for the direction of the family, um, the spiritual life of the family, uh, and it's his responsibility to yeah. teach and to train. And so family worship falls squarely sort of in his realm of, in his of responsibilities, yeah, right? That's good. Yeah, I mean, we see Paul addressing husbands and, and, and with a heavy responsibility to love their wives as Christ loved the church in Ephesians 5. And then in Ephesians 6, we see him addressing fathers. Mm-hmm when he says to bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And I actually remember hearing Frosty say something one time about this. He, he said it's not because the mother's role is insignificant that Paul addresses fathers. It's one, because the father does have this kind of primary responsibility before God, but also because fathers often are the ones who need to be invited to the party, right? Mothers typically, this isn't always the case, but typically do feel more of a sense of responsibility to invest in the next generation, whereas fathers can easily be emotionally, spiritually absent from the home. So that's really the um, the situation that, that Don Whitney's addressing here, right? The first kind of subset of it is, what if the father is not a Christian? So what should a believing mother do if her unbelieving husband doesn't want to have anything to do with family worship? Well, I think a believing mother should take on a mantle of responsibility to pass on to her kids the knowledge of the goodness of God. So she would think about how she's going to do that through family worship, through other means, how she's going to tell them about God, how she's going to impart to them the truth of God. And so I think she should, by God's grace, step up to lead this time of family worship and to try to create rhythms in her home where she's regularly passing on the truth. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And, you know, another situation that that may be, you know, somewhat common, uh, I hope it's not, but where a, a husband is professing to be a believer, but he still doesn't have any desire to lead spiritually in the home, right? He doesn't want to uh, lead in family worship. He's not concerned about spiritual instruction, is there any different encouragement for a woman in that state? Is there any nuance that we'd give to encouragement to her? I think 
Certainly, I think it's a little different. I think uh, I would encourage her, one, to be praying for her husband. I think I'd probably say that in both cases, sure. obviously. To the the woman who's married to an unbeliever, I mean, Paul specifically gives some instructions in 1 Corinthians 7 that she should live with him. If he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. It says, for the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife. And then a few verses later, he says, for how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Perhaps God will use you and your faith in Christ to rescue your husband. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, it's good. I think for the for the wife who has a husband who just isn't interested in leading, I think it is a little bit more complicated and requires a little bit more wisdom. I think you should engage in teaching your kids in passing on the truth to your kids at the same time, always leaving room for your husband to step into that role and encouraging him to do so with grace and praying for him to, to want that and to desire to lead in that way and trying to lower the bar of entry for him in any way that you can. That's sort of your role as his helpmate to try to to almost tee up those opportunities for him in any way that you can. That's good. And I would say also just to affirm him in any way that you can. There needs to be a a sense of uh, of respectful, pure conduct. That's what First Peter says. Uh, First Peter chapter three. He he speaks to women whose husbands do not obey the word, and and that really might you know this situation could you know have a lot of overlap with with that address there. And so the, just knowing that, I think in that case a a mother should and would want to invest God's truth into her kids, but always being careful not to undermine her husband and not to denigrate him, but rather to, in any way she can, affirm him, build him up, encourage any signs or indications of of leadership and desire to lead, and doing it all in prayer that God would, like you said, give him a desire to pursue the everlasting joy of his kids in the Savior. Yeah, I think doing that is going to give him the best opportunity to step into that Role And I think it's important for wives, especially to uh, think about and remember um, that as a husband who hasn't been leading to step into leadership is really difficult. It's an Um, acknowledgement of failure in the past. And yeah, it would take a a remarkable amount of humility uh, to begin to lead because you're going to have to acknowledge that you haven't been. And so, do everything you can not to put hurdles up that are unnecessary. That's good. Um, don't draw lines in the sand that you right. don't need to. Yeah. yeah. And then the the last kind of situation related to dads is really more simple, but probably the most difficult. And that is if there's just not a dad in the home at all. If you find yourself parenting alone as a single mom, family worship is go- going to be more difficult, more challenging, just like everything is going to be more difficult, more challenging. But I would just say to you, mom, God is able to make all grace abound to you. He is a perfect father to all who trust in Jesus and um, pray that God would make you like Lois and Eunice, uh, whom Paul mentions in Second Timothy, Paul's mother and grandmother. He said, I know of their sincere faith, and I'm sure that it dwells in you. And And he tells Timothy, from childhood, you've known the sacred writings. And so he learned them. He had an unbelieving Greek father. He learned them from his mother and his grandmother. And so um, I would just encourage you, single moms, uh, to 
commit yourself to teaching God's word to your children and wait to see how God is going to support and sustain you in that good effort. So anything else you'd add there, Daniel? No, other than uh, lean on the church in any way that you can. That's good. Um, Leaders at the church, those who have invested in your kids, lean on that support. That partnership may be even more robust and more significant in, in that case. Yeah, that's good. Okay, a few other situations that Don Whitney talks about. We won't spend a lot of time talking about them, but what if my kids are really young, like too young to sit still? Real quick, what, what advice? Well, my kids were always able to sit still, so it's hard for me to relate to this particular... Okay, thanks, Daniel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think we should all just acknowledge that when you start doing this, if you start when your kids are young, they aren't going to sit still. That's right. And there will be many times that you think, why are we doing this? This um, feels pointless. Yeah. So I, I think it's important to... Rem- one of my favorite words in parenting is the word training. I think about that word all the time. It helps keep me sane. And in the beginning, a lot of what you're doing, you're, it's not necessarily information transfer or content download. What you're doing is training them how to sit and listen. Uh, you're training them that this is important. You're training them that our lives revolve around the Bible. And all of those things can be learned without them sitting perfectly still. So you're, you're, you're working on the ability to sit still. That is in essence, what you're doing in the beginning. So, and you're also showing the importance of, of, of God. You're, you're showing your young children, hey, God is significant in our lives, and we, we take time every day to come and gather around His Word. And you're instilling patterns for not only for them when they become older children, but for them when they become adults. They don't yeah. have to, Don Whitney says, they won't have to read a book like this when they're adults because they'll have seen family worship from their from their childhood, from their earliest days. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think keeping that in mind, they are learning more than you can imagine. So just the habit teaches them, the practice teaches them, all of it is teaching them. That's good. That's good. And, you know, he addresses some other things. What if you're kids, if there's a significant age gap, you just, you know, you need to seek the Lord for wisdom and help. And you want to try to address and accommodate kids at different developmental levels. You want to ask targeted questions for younger kids and targeted questions for older kids. But just be patient with yourselves in that. Any any family, every family is going to have challenges and difficulties when it comes to doing family worship. There's no family who has the perfect scenario so that family worship will always go smoothly, always be easy. So I would just encourage you guys to ask God for grace to persevere, right? Satan, he does not want us listening to God's word, praying together, singing together, but God is worthy. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of the worship of every person in our home and family worship is a great opportunity to again and again, proclaim his truth, proclaim his goodness, proclaim his faithfulness, proclaim his power and mercy over our homes, over our families, over our children. So may God help us to do it. Thanks, Thanks Lord. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Shaped Home Podcast, produced by Providence Baptist Church of Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and resources from Providence, visit us online at pray.org. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts.